of you. Go ahead and be seated. Amen. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and get it out. Amen. Go ahead and fire it up. If you've got it on your, your phone or your iPads and so forth, and we'll get into some things today. Everybody ready for Christmas? Not sure how to respond to the varying woos and woes and oh me's and amen. Well, uh, has anybody been eating too much already? Amen. It seems like every time I turn around, there's a new cookie, a piece of candy, a bread, something in our house. And so I just want to be faithful. And I want to be a, a receiver, you know, because Christmas doesn't work if everyone's giving. Someone's got to receive. <laughs> and... Uh, Thank you, Lord. Diets start next week. <laughs> uh, praise God. Hey, things coming up, things going on, uh, really cool things. Uh, uh, what was the first thing I'm saying? Tomorrow, no. Oh, yeah, prayer. Thanks. No one else remembers either. <laughs> prayer, 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 prayer. We pray every Sunday before the services. When I say we, a select group of people. They're the upper echelon of the church. And uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, we have, uh, we have prayer teams that meet every Sunday. Some of you don't know this because it's not advertised except for twice a year. And, um, and they pray. Uh, they pray before this service, pray before last service, first service, different groups pray before these services. They pray for you, especially they pray for me because I'm ministering. And, uh, and, and so it's very important that we do things in the spirit before we do it in the seen realm. All right, and so I wanted to let you know about that in case you weren't aware that people are praying for these times we have together. We don't just view this as a natural thing. Uh, you know, we work naturally real hard, but the primary focus is spirit, uh, spiritually. Because you know, if you're entertained, well, yeah, you might think, "Glad I went to church." But if your life has changed, that's when we've done our job. And, uh, and so we want everyone to do that. So here's the deal. Here's why I'm bringing it up. Um, we do this in six-month blocks. People come. People commit. They sign up for their prayer team for six months, two halves of the year, and they choose, you know, first, second, third service. They choose like first and third, second and fourth, that kind of thing. It's basically 13 times um, in that six months that people commit to uh, being a part of our our prayer team for a particular service. And if you would like to do that for this coming session. January, uh, starts in January, then you can do that by, by texting. So we do a lot of things with text around here, makes it easy. Um, you can text the word pray to that number. Um, if you don't have that ability, if you're like, you know, living in the Stone Ages or something, <laughs> sorry, uh, you can always go to the Welcome Center and they won't mock you like I did. All right. Uh, uh, but you can always, no, we can always do things manually, but if you'd like to, if you're, or if you're interested, what that'll do is when you text the word pray, um, it'll give you a sign-up thing that'll just, and you'll choose which service, how often, so forth, and then you can be a part of my personal prayer team, and, and you're helping me if you do that. Uh, you're helping me to have a good flow of the Spirit in these services and minister effectively and powerfully, so... Um, the rewards for prayers are probably only seen in heaven. All the things that, that are accomplished. We, you know, we applaud all the, all the natural things that people do and they work because we can see it. Uh, a lot of times the prayers are, that are getting the most done. And so we value them. All right, here's the other thing I wanted to tell you about. Um, because today is the day before Christmas Eve. So Christmas double Eve. 
tomorrow we have two special services. You're probably aware of that, Christmas Eve services. I'll be speaking. I'll be ministering along the lines of Christmas, the Christmas story to a you know, different angle every year. But about Christmas tomorrow, we'll have special music. Our kids are back for Christmas. They'll be ministering in music, and, and it'll be a fun service. All right, tomorrow, come to one of those if you can. Uh, so that's our Christmas focus. Next week, next Sunday, next Sunday, special focus on a vision for your 2019. All right, what you want to see accomplished, what God will do in your life next year. And then we'll tie that in with communion that day. So special communion Sunday, which is normally on Wednesdays, you know. Uh, but on that Sunday, it'll be that so if you want to have a good year next year, I suggest you be here. I'm not cursing you if you don't come. I'm just saying I don't know what's going to happen. All right, it's going to be fun next Sunday with that special service. And then the following week, I think you have this, but uh, we have a new series starting called Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> All right. New year, new series, Wheel of Fortune. And, and, uh, and you'll notice, as I'll talk about why all those things are on there. And you've probably figured out that it's basically a series about the lottery. You're going to start playing the lottery. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we're, uh, we, we know God wants to bless everyone financially and bring people out of debt and do all kinds of wonderful things. And we're going to talk about the whole ramification of how that works. And uh, it's going to be fun going to be good. So that's two weeks. Good, good. Ready for some word right now? I gave you all that to say this. Today, I'm going to finish what I started two months ago. In other words, I had something on my heart a couple months ago about life in the Spirit. And what I had in my heart first, I haven't gotten to. But I'm going to get to that today. All right, and so there is something called life in the spirit. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me and look at Second Corinthians chapter four, and 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 there's a a real element here that I think we blow past sometimes in endeavoring to live life in the spirit. So let's read for the the final time of this series, Second Corinthians chapter four and verse sixteen. It reads, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so this what appears to be almost a contradiction is what we've been given attention to. He says, you're supposed to look at stuff you can't see. How in the world can I do that? Well, it's with a, it's, you're looking at it with the heart. You're looking at it with spiritual eyes. You're, you're looking at non-physical realities, non-material realities. And for the individual that believes that all there is is a physical world, they are quite deceived and quite ignorant of much that exists. And so, as if you're a believer already, if you're already a Christian, then 
you're aware that you got saved and you didn't see anything. <laughs> you got saved, you didn't, you, you know, you may or may not have felt anything, probably not. But you accepted by faith the reality of eternal life and it totally changed your, the way you think and live and conduct yourself and you have a real relationship with an invisible God. So we say invisible, obviously just invisible to us in the physical realm, but uh, uh, this is what's very important. Now when speaking of life in the Spirit, or just the phrase, the, the Spirit, the word the Spirit, how many know you can be talking about different uh, things? One of them is, is you can be referencing just the Spirit realm, meaning there's a physical world, there's a spiritual world. So the realm of the Spirit. Also, of course, you could be talking about the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit could refer to the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Godhead. But also, how many know when you say the Spirit, you could be referencing the human spirit? In other words, you are, I am, spirit, soul, and body. So we are spirit beings inside of physical bodies. That's why when a person dies, they, they don't die. Their spirit just steps out of their earth suit. Yeah? And so when we talk about the human spirit, this is where I want to give some final focus and attention today regarding how we are to live. Now, uh, our spirits... Once they are saved, of course, they are influenced and affected by and, and moved by the Holy Spirit. So there's really an unseen interaction and influence between the Holy Spirit and the human spirit. And those things, of course, take place in the spirit or the spirit realm, right? Uh, it's like the Apostle Paul described spiritual prayer this way when, when he said, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 14, he said, My spirit, this is the amplified, my spirit by the Holy Spirit prays. Holy Spirit within me prays. So the Holy Spirit influencing my spirit allows me to pray in the spirit. Yeah? And so, so much of what we're talking about is that way. It's almost uh, undividable, it's hard to discern the difference. Is it the Holy Spirit or my spirit? Yes. I don't mean that you are in some way the Holy Spirit or there, there's like a blur there. No, He's God, you're not. But, but Him filling us causes there to be such a blending in an interaction between the Holy Spirit and the human spirit, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. Someone said, well, did the Holy Spirit say that to you or did your spirit say it? Yeah, I think, I guess, I, I don't know. In other words, there's not much of a difference in, in practical living. But I know this, that when something is done, when a decision is made in our lives, that is a spirit decision, led by, guided by the Spirit, we can be assured of the fact that it's not only led by Him, but it is then also empowered by Him. It is also then provided by Him. It's like when I, uh, when we came to Boise and started the church, we've told this story many times, and, and uh, we started the church, I knew spiritually what we were supposed to do. I knew that it was of God, that it was, uh, that when we were supposed to do it, I knew where we were supposed to do it, but there was a whole lot of details that I didn't know. 
Because I just had a, I knew it was a spiritual move, decision, ordered of the Lord, but my head went, woo, many times. How? What does this look like? How is this going to happen? Where are we going to meet? Where's the money going to come from? All those questions. And I just, but, but there was an undergirding of that that said, this is God, this is right, and so the other things are going to work out. The money's going to come, the Lord will bring people, there will be salvations and miracles and healings and, and lives changed. I had to believe that, I had to know that, but when, when you have the foundation to know I'm making moves, I'm making decisions in my life, I pray about them, and I'm doing the best I know how to make spiritual decisions for the right motive, for the right reason, then there is a rest that follows that. We still need to believe God, we're still going to have a trust God along the way, resist the devil and he'll flee from us, but there's an innate knowledge that says, but everything's going to be fine, it is going to work out things are going to be okay. If you ever find yourself concerned constantly, man, is this going to work? Constantly worrying about this or that. Probably there have been not enough spirit-led prayer and spirit activity involved in your your life decisions. Everybody okay? I, I, I want to make sure I'm doing things in and by the Spirit. But when it comes to our lives today, I need to realize that when I got saved... My body didn't get saved, and my mind or my soul did not get saved. My spirit got saved. Because of that reality, that the moment I got done praying, Jesus be the Lord of my life, gave my heart to Him. The moment I got done praying, I had now a saved spirit in an unsaved body. What I mean by unsaved body, I don't mean the body's going to hell or anything. But, you know, it's just not glorified yet. My mind was not saved. I still had carnal thinking. I still had unregenerate ways, you know, thought patterns and so forth. My spirit was saved. And if I don't ever transfer now the control of my life to my born-again spirit, then I will be saved and living in the flesh. I will be saved, but be dominated by physical things, by mental stuff. I'll be emotion-led, I'll be circumstance-led, I'll be controlled by the outward, as opposed to the part of me that was completely transformed and made new in an instant. You know 2 Corinthians 5.17, one of the great verses in the, in the New Testament, uh, it says, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. That means a new species of being. Something that never existed before. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, wait, wait a minute. All things have become new? Everything? Yeah, everything in your spirit. Everything in the spiritual side of you. Obviously, your chair didn't change. Your, 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 you know, if you, were, uh, if, if you were overweight, you were still overweight after you got saved. If you were underweight, you didn't gain weight when you got saved. Right? Physically, you didn't change, uh, but your spirit was made brand spanking new in an instant, in a moment. God's life infused you, and you became his child. Literally, his son or daughter, you became a child of God in a moment, spiritually. It's wonderful, unless you leave your spirit all cooped up. You know, doesn't get a, doesn't get a voice in your life. 
Decisions come up and we jump to our head, we jump to our body, we jump to circumstances, we don't let our spirit dominate. See, the part of you that is amazing and awesome, watch, it's not your body, even if you're like really good looking or something. The part of you that is amazing and awesome is not your mind, even if you're brilliant and have studied great things. The part of you that is amazing, that looks just like God, is your spirit. That's why life in the Spirit makes an amazing life. My body needs to be influenced by my saved spirit. My mind needs to be impacted and informed by my saved spirit. See, we are getting information to us regularly. We don't always recognize where it comes from, but thoughts come to you. Thoughts come to you through your day. Thoughts come to you in many different ways. Those thoughts have different origins. Some of those thoughts are coming to you out of your spirit. You could say by the Holy Spirit, through your spirit, but they are spiritual thoughts. Some thoughts are coming by your body. Your body's telling you things, giving you information, and you start pondering it. When we can begin to discern that that's happening and see the difference and say, that's a flesh thought. That's a spirit thought right there. That's a God thought. That's a fleshy thought. And we can start to throw out the garbage. You know, eat the hay, spit out the sticks, as smart as an old cow. And, and, uh, and we can begin to say, okay, that's a thought that I want to hold on to and maintain. That's a spiritual thought. Oh, that's a wrong thought. See, spiritual people learn to do that. And some thoughts come to them, and the faster they, it's just as fast as they came, they leave. Because I'm not going to give it weight. I'm not going to let it dominate me. But you start to recognize, oh, where did that thought come from? Wow, look at that. And you can start to see there's God on that thought. Amen. That originated from a part of me that's been changed, not the old part of me that hasn't been changed. Everybody okay today? Colossians 2.10 says it this way. Look at the screen. Save you some time. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. The him there is Jesus. You're complete in Jesus. Now, now, how many people think, well, I'm not complete. I am a work in progress. I have a lot of things to fix. I've got a lot of issues still in my life. And we don't, my verse went away. And we don't believe that sometimes. We don't believe we're complete. We believe we're incomplete. We believe we're still messed up. Well, Again, what is that talking about? In Him you're complete. What, it, what is in Him? Spirit. That means there is a part of me, there's a part of you, if you want to do the math, one-third of you is fully furnished. Wall to wall, pictures on the wall, <laughs> fully completed, done. There's nothing else. There's nothing missing. There's nothing lacking. There's nothing broken in there. There's no sin in there. It's not unholy. It stands before God as if it's perfect. There's a part of you that is that way. If I can live out of that part, if that's the part that feeds my mentality, that guides my decisions, I'm going to have a good life. Because from that place, there's no weakness, there's no lack, there's no suffering, there's, there's, it's, it's all God. Amen. 
Say it out loud. Part of me is complete. It's the real me. I am a spirit. I've been saved. And now I'm whole. Yeah, so, so that part of you, and, and, and that's the part we identify with. I'm not a body, I'm not a mind, but I am a spirit being created in the likeness and image of God, been born again, His life has come into me. Amen. New creation, complete in Him. That's what the Scripture says. Now, think about for a moment your life and what you want out of it. What you want to have, what you want to... Uh, experience, where you want to go, uh, you know, things that we generally, we, we think about that will make us happy. If I had a, if I had a house near the water, you know, if it, we live in Idaho, so let's call it a vacation home. <laughs> Meaning on the beach is what I'm thinking. Obviously we have lakes, but, and rivers. But if you had a, some people think, if I only had a, if I could be in Hawaii, I would be happy. Uh, you know, if I could have this kind of job, if I could have this kind of spouse, if I could have, and we think about if I could go here and experience this, we all, have, and I'm not saying, this is not a trick question, I'm not saying any of those things are bad, all right? Unless you're married and you're thinking about a different spouse. <laughs> that Don't do that. But we, but we imagine, if I had a this, if I could be here, if I could experience this, oh, my life would be wonderful. My life would be full. I would be complete. I would be satisfied. But seriously, think about it. When we ponder that, and we think, if I had a this, if I could go here and do this, what we really seek is what that thing or that place, or that material possession, or that experience, how that would make us feel. I don't truly seek, ultimately, you know, my feet in the water on the warm sand, and the, the clear water, right? I seek what I imagine that, how that makes me feel. Hmm? In other words, what we truly want in life is not material, it's inward. It's, I want to be happy. I want joy. I want satisfaction. I want peace. I, I want to have a fulfilled life. And so we tie to it whatever we can think will produce it. And we work hard. We educate. We, you know, we, we learn. We're trying to do all this stuff to produce the things that will make us what we think will be... Uh, happy and fulfilled and have a wonderful life. But let's back up again. What we want is everything that God is inherently. He is joy, life, peace, satisfaction. And where, what has he done with all of that good stuff? He put it in your spirit. When you made, if you, if you have, I realize you, there may be some who haven't done this yet, but if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, when you said amen, your spirit went kaboom, made alive, made whole. And God's joy and satisfaction and peace is in there. Watch, there are people who live in the most pristine, wonderful parts of the planet that are miserable. There are. I was just in the, in the Philippines recently, and, uh, and they have some pretty good weather. 
in fact, the missionary I was staying with, we helped him buy a car a couple years ago. You guys did. And uh, but it was a ni- it's a nice SUV Ford or something like that. But he, so we're driving down the road. He said, this car doesn't even have a heater in it. I said, you're kidding. He said, no, they didn't put one in. They made it in Thailand or something. There's no heater in the car. I said, I've never heard of a car not having a heater. He said, we just roll down the windows if, we're, if we need heat. <laughs> but he said to me, he said, he said, I've never once needed the heater. Mac, isn't that awesome? <laughs> you just never need it. <laughs> Here's my point. Get a car with a heater. <laughs> you live in Idaho. <laughs> uh, there are people in great places that are miserable. There are people that have much material wealth and possessions that are miserable. And there's nothing wrong with having or any of that kind of stuff. I'm just saying there is a source of a great satisfying life and it's spiritual. It's spiritual in nature. And the more we learn how to tap into it, the more we enjoy God's life in our lives. And it's not fluctuating from day to day based upon how I feel or based upon the stock market or based upon the weather or based upon relationships or any of these other things. It stays strong and it stays constant because it's spiritual in nature. No one can take it away from you. No one can rob you. It's just a permanent possession. I'm a child of God and so I benefit from His life always. But if I know that... That tells me how I'm going to live. I'm going to focus on spiritual things because everything I truly want in life comes from there. And if it's on the beach, it works. If it's in the desert, it works. If it's on the mountain, if it's in the car, it's there. Look at Galatians. Just a short turn from where you were in 2 Corinthians. In Galatians chapter 5, I want you to notice... Uh, verse 16. In this passage, there's a contrast between flesh and spirit. Flesh and spirit again and again and again and again. Flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit. And it's done so so we can see the difference and recognize how this works. Uh, verse 16, 516, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Let me stop for a moment there. Just give you this tidbit. Um, the word spirit there is capitalized in my Bible. Meaning, you would think that that means Holy Spirit. But actually, that was the translator's decision to capitalize that. If the word holy is there, then you know, okay, that's talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. If the word spirit is by itself, someone had had to decide, is this small s spirit or big s spirit? And so you can decide that for yourself by the context. I'm, I'm saying, my point is to you, is don't automatically say, it just because it's a capital S that it's the Holy Spirit, because it's the same Greek word that refers to the human spirit. The word pneuma. Greek, human spirit, Holy Spirit, evil spirit. It's just the word spirit. All right? Okay, so uh, he, he goes on to say, um, verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery. Now, by, by the way, this is that bad part of the Bible right here. I hate to say that, but you know, hold on. This is like, this, this next part, this is like watching the news. Okay. How I many you know you watch the news long enough, you're going to be in the gutter. 
you're going to be depressed and sad and ticked off all at the same time. So we have to read that just because it's there. It's for the purpose so we can be very clear in our understanding of spirit and flesh. This is flesh. This is spirit. All right? To your own demise, ignore this. But if you want to live a healthy, happy, strong, full of life life, then understand the difference. Okay. Uh, works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's describing the life, the mentality, the actions of the unregenerate, the unsaved. This is normal business for them. He said, and they're not saved, they're not going to heaven. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. But understand this, he's writing to believers, because how many know believers sometimes, probably not you guys, but maybe the other services, uh, Sometimes believers do these things. They're saved and they're technically in the spirit, but they get tempted with fleshly endeavors and so they start bouncing back and forth between spirit and flesh in their life. And don't get me wrong, I've done it too. We all have. We've yielded to the flesh. But he's saying this in a very interesting way. There's no thou shalt not here. Thou shalt not, and we could go through the list again. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Not because it's somehow acceptable to do these behaviors, but because that's not the point. The point is if you will be a spiritual person and live a spiritual life, you'll be able to easily cut down the middle of this flesh and spirit thing and see what's right and what's of God and what's not. And if you can do that, you'll recognize this behavior is going to make me miserable. It's going to suck the life out of me. It comes with a curse. It, it, it comes with death. It comes with uh, depression. I come over here. This is, this is the life of God. This is what I truly want, even though I think I want the beach. This is what I want. I want to feel this. I want to enjoy life because this is God's life. That's the next part. This is the, whoo, thank you, Jesus. We made it. Okay, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So look at this. This is, this is the fruit of the Spirit. Now here we go again. There's that big S. And this is why most people view this as fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and can I tell you, I don't believe that's talking about the Holy Spirit there. I don't believe it's talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit because fruit grows. God doesn't grow in any way whatsoever. He's not growing in love, growing in patience, growing in kindness, growing in all these things. But I am. In other words, God is what is referred to in, in theology. He is called immutable. Immutable. You know what immutable means? It means unchanging. He's never more, he's never less. He, he's, never, he's not learning anything. There has never been a time where he didn't know something. 
He's all-powerful and all-present and and all-knowing. And there's never a time where He is somewhere where He didn't used to be. He's always been the all-in-all. He is completely unchanging. And He's not growing in love. He's not changing at all. The Scriptures say it this way. uh, In Malachi chapter 3, I am the Lord your God and I change not. Come on, computer folks. There we go. That way I can quote it correctly. I quote it in different translations. I do not change. Uh, Said about Jesus in Hebrews 13. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday. Hebrews 13, please. The same yesterday, today, and forever. So there is the unchanging nature of God, right? But that unchanging God produced an amazing change in you and me. And that change caused our spirit to take on his very nature. Now what happens is this. Now our spirit is unchanging. Why is it why see why is our spirit unchanging? Because he is. But basically what the Lord has done now is he has produced in us a a a fruit generating factory. A love machine. A a power source that makes patience. It makes peace. Remember, remember Jesus said this in uh, John 15. John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Who bears much fruit? I do. If I'm abiding in him, I make fruit. What do you mean fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? Goodness. I am a peacemaker. I'm a goodness maker. I'm a love maker. (laughs) My spirit, if you've been born again, your spirit naturally, by connection with the Holy Spirit, produces this. Now, practically speaking, the closer I'm connected to Jesus, he's the vine where the branch, fruit grows off the branch, not off the trunk, right? When I'm connected to him, the closer I am, the more readily I can produce this fruit. Yeah, you know that's true. You spend time with the Lord. You spend time in, in His presence. You're praying and you're doing right. It's easier to be patient. Sorry for spitting. It's easier to be patient even when you're driving on the road. Whereas other times, holy smokes, everything ticks you off. <laughs> Grr, ah! And people around you annoy you more than ever. But if you've been in the presence of the Lord, you're... you're uh, you know, your fruit-producing machine is on high gear. And so up comes out of you forgiveness, and up comes out of you love, and up comes out of you joy. Yeah. See, when I can live in the Spirit, giving is not hard for me. That's God's nature that's been placed inside of me. I am a giver. Forgiveness is not hard. I am a forgiver. When I'm walking in the Spirit... Yielding to the Spirit of God, these God traits are normal. Your spirit is full of life. It's full of healing. It's full of blessing. It's full of favor. It's full of increase. It's full of wisdom. It's full of God's life. 
when I walk in the Spirit, those are the thoughts that flood my mind more than fleshy thoughts. Everybody okay? As a pastor, I think this way. If I can convince people to walk in the Spirit, I'm never going to have a problem with division, with strife in the church, with unforgiveness. I'm never going to have a problem with a lack of giving because we are, by nature of the new birth, givers. Now, if I'm not walking in the Spirit, then I'm going to struggle with that, and I'm going to buck against it. But if we can see where the line is, these are this is the, the spiritual line. This is the way that... Sorry, I'll change this time. This is the way that God acts... And I'm born of God. All of Him is in me, in my spirit. This is the flesh acts. I can easily decide which path I'm going to walk in. And I stay connected with Him. It's normal for me to love and have patience and have kindness and have forgiveness and have joy and have giving. And and, and I'm going to serve. I'm going to worship God. And I'm not going to do these things because someone's making me. Someone's twisting my arm. I'm going to do these things because it's normal for me. It's a natural way to live. In fact, I want to. And even every time I do it, my life gets better. When I, I give, and it's like the sand is in between my toes. Hallelujah. Let me worship the Lord. Say, why are you doing that? I think I'm in Hawaii when I do. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because I'm connected to, tapping into, yielding to the life of God, which is totally everything I want in life. It's absolutely everything you want. No, I want. No, you don't. You don't. You want God's life. And if we find where it comes from, then you can still go to the beach and you can still go to the golf course and you can go to wherever you want to do. But you know that's not the source of your joy. And when life around you seems to fall down, you look inward. Inward. And what happens? In in me is the the joy factory. Ha, ha, ha. My head says, you are sad, and you are depressed, and you are down. And I look in here, and it says, no, no, you're not. Let's pump out a little joy. If I could live out of that, I mean, that's a dream come true. And, you know, from a ministry standpoint, I I hear this sometimes because of this third service is smaller than the others, you know. I'm sure that's it. Uh, And maybe it snowed today, I don't know. but, uh, uh, But I hear this sometimes from, I won't tell you who, whoever gets up here before me sometimes. They say, oh, that third service, it's, so, it's hard when you get up there because people just kind of stare at you. And, uh, and I recognize because it's not as noisy in here and there's not as many hallelujahs and amens and come on, preach it, pastor, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's just a little more muted. But seriously, what I, have, what I have learned to do, and it's very easy, is I don't get, this is not a criticism, by the way, but I don't get the... Uh, the amen from out here, I get it from in here. Seriously, I, I make a I make a switch if it's not if it's not in the outward atmosphere. I make a switch. I say I'm just going to speak from the inside out, and I, it doesn't matter. I could speak to the wall this way. I've had at times where I felt like I could prophesy to a tree right now, <laughs> meaning the tree's not going to respond to me, not going to say, "Oh, that's right on, Pastor." <laughs> But it's just because the, I'm connected to the power source. 
the life of God within me. And so that works in all of our lives, in everything. We need to learn to connect to that life. Amen. Don't consider yourself impatient. Well, I just don't have much patience. Pray for me. The Lord gives me patience. No, no, I'm not praying that for you, not for a second. If, you are, if you're not saved, then, let's, then I'll pray that for you. Get saved, and then the patience will start being produced from your born-again spirit. And if you'll yield to it, it'll overwhelm your mind. Yeah. But don't call yourself the opposite. I'm just not a very patient person. Oh, I'm just not a very kind person. Yes, you are. If you're saved, you're full of God's kindness, His life, His love. I'm just praying the Lord would fill me with His love. He did. The moment you said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, love got poured out in you. You have the potential to treat people like Jesus did. You have the potential to forgive the unforgivable. The potential to be kind to the ugliest people on the planet. And I mean that in a mean sense, you know what I mean? Uh, to be kind, to be generous, to be... To, yeah, that's the potential within all believers. I'm praying for it. No, don't pray for it. Thank Him that you have it. Yeah! Why don't you say this with me today? And uh, believe it as you say it. Say it out loud. There's joy in me. There is peace. I have victory inside of me. I am a giver. I am a lover. I am full of patience. God's life is in me now. It affects my mind and my body. I am led inwardly and overcome every obstacle that is outside of me. Amen, amen, amen. That's the way to think, you guys. And if we can keep that stirred up in our hearts all the day and all week long and all month long, recognize. Let your mind drift to spiritual realities. I'm complete in Him. His joy is in me. You know what I'm saying? His peace is in me. Victory is in me. Amen. The provider is in me. I'm, I'm a prosperous person. Amen. I'm a, I walk in peace. I live in it every day. This is the normal existence of my life. Amen. Now, if you want to yield to the flesh, you can, but you'll be miserable. And you'll think you're not going to be happy until you find the beach. And you're happy on vacation, and you're, uh, you know, bummed to live with the rest of the time. Start living in the Spirit. You'll be happy on the beach or not. And maybe you don't even like the beach, but I'm just speaking for myself. You'll be happy here or happy there, happy everywhere. <laughs> Amen. All right, pray with me today. Father, in the name of Jesus.